Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening. Whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we journey into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I am your host this evening. I'm Gene Turnbow, and with me is my co-host, Susan Fox. Our guest this evening is none other than the remarkable Claudia Christian. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you so much. What a, what a beautiful um, <laughs> intro. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard not to be effusive about you when, when, uh, when you get to introduce somebody like you, especially you. I mean, you've done so much. You've, you're a sci-fi icon. You've done movies. You've done TV shows. You have written books. You have done, uh, you've done this remarkable film, One Little Pill. Uh, oh, did you watch it? I, we haven't got it yet, <laughs> but I but I've ordered it. The last time you were on the show with us, uh, one little pill was uh, a Kickstarter project. It was. <laughs> it was in Kickstarter, yeah, we were, we and you're trying uh, to get it funded. With 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 um uh in addition to that, um we did a uh, another sort of uh you know fundraiser thing indiegogo mm-hmm. oh, yes. uh, indiegogo. which we now call indie no no because mm, we didn't work you know, because then this is the funny thing is is once you do that sort of um campaign then afterwards you realize how much you have to do to to actually pay back the debts and that's the hard thing is is you know you suddenly you realize wow i raised 50,000 dollars but I've got to sign nine million, you know, photos and send them to all uh, the reaches of the world. So it's it's not the easiest way to raise money, but it is certainly um, very, you know, it, it's it's timely and it's progressive, mm-hmm. and and I I certainly have appreciated it. It's just uh, in the future, I think I might go to, I don't know, maybe a old aunt who has some money sitting <laughs> the, underneath the mattress. <laughs> well, there are actually, there are actually more interesting ways of doing it. Uh, um, we were looking at uh, patreon.com, which you works a, a little bit differently. You don't have to individually fulfill every tiny piece uh, because you're creating content that people like and they, you, you release something new for them to consume and they pay you a little bit of money each time. So you're doing it once instead of 5,000 times. Yeah, that sounds, that that sounds good. I mean, you know, listen, I'm the last person to ever complain about how amazing my, my fans have been. They were the ones who actually paid for this documentary to be made. So, 
I am in no way, shape, or form going to sit here and, and complain about <laughs> Indiegogo and Kickstarter. I mean, honestly, I could not have made this film without them. Um, and, you know, the, the beautiful thing about that is that not a lot of science fiction fans have addiction or addicts in their family, yet they are completely uh, willing to get on board with a project like this, which is, that that's what made me sort of sit back and say, wow, these these people, these, these fans, these individuals um, who I've always loved, I now have a new love for, because they, it's not necessarily their mom or their dad, but they just care. Well, they live in the world, okay? These are, they don't, their noses aren't always in a book. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's, it, it's interesting. It's like, it, and I, and I, I don't mean to, I'm not pulling any boundaries here, but mm-hmm. it's like when I say, how many Jewish alcoholics do you know? How many science fiction alcoholics do you know? A few. No, but, no, but there's very, very few. There's very, very few. I mean, you know, they're normally Eastern European or European background, Catholic, Christian, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Irish, Scottish, Welsh, English, German. You know, I can, I can keep on the list. But the people who financed this film had nothing to do with that world. They did it because they believed in what I was doing, and I am forever grateful for that. Well, these people saved your life, and we're grateful for that. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Make no I mean, bones I, about I, it. Well, and, and we're very grateful they did, too. I mean, you, you have, and I so rarely get a chance to say this to uh, uh, to people who have, oh, this is so awkward. No, but don't be, go ahead, just say it. What I want to say is you have made a positive contribution to the popular culture you have given of yourself to uh, to the to the world, the, as, and especially to the the sci-fi fans. And you've added so much to the medium. And and uh, just thank you, thank you for yeah. everything you did. Thank you for everything you're going to do. Well, you've added I, I, so I much life. That makes me incredibly happy. But you, at the end of the day. What do we do with what we are given? And, and what I was given is this fandom. And this fandom has been loyal and honest and true and amazing for 20 plus years. So when I decided to come out of the closet, so to speak, and make addiction something that we're not embarrassed about, something that we can deal with as a society and say, you know what? It's okay. And, and now maybe, you can have those conversations with your brother, your sister, your father, your mother, whoever. You know, I'm only here to be a conduit, to j- just say it's not something to be embarrassed about. It's something to just, it's normal life. It's like, you know, th- this is why I, I do what I do. But um, i got to say, man, I could have never done it without without the support of my fans. And, and I, I don't think there's any other culture other than sci-fi fans that is that loyal i i I can't even think of one well it'll be great finding out 
<laughs> Maybe soap opera would, would, would claim that, but but I don't believe. I don't know. I I, I think sci-fi fans are probably the most engaged uh, single subculture there is, except maybe yes. sports fans. Yes, you know, well, you're right. You're 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 spot on right there. But sports fans are periodic. They right, they right. go through seasons, whereas mm-hmm. sci-fi fans are forever. They're all the time. Yes, exactly. So, and part of uh, part of what keeps people coming back is you don't you're not just sitting on your laurels. Like for example, you are in a, a sci-fi detective series, uh, the Anne Manx series, yeah, <laughs> a radio drama. Uh, you know, since we run this sci-fi radio station, uh, tell us a little bit about that and how that came to be. I. I just fell in love with Annie Manx years ago, and Larry Weiner and Angelo Canetti, they, they just, they offered me this role probably, at this point, it's been eight, nine years ago, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, it's, it's seriously been a long time, and when we started, it was kind of a dream to just make Annie you know, um, this, this kind of old school radio show kind of thing. Um, and the production value was so wonderful. And I think they did such a great job that I always said, wow, wouldn't this make it a great TV series? Um, and it's, it's a pity that it never really got to that point because I, I do believe in my heart that, that it deserves a little bit more than just a radio show, but in the meantime, I, I think it's 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 really good quality, and it's um, great actresses and actors, and it's, uh, it's 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 great writing and great production. And that's that's really the heart of it. It's it's all about the story and the characters. And uh, so, what know, kind of uh, detective are we talking? Is it it's always noir in space, or uh... well, Annie has <laughs> many lives, like a cat has many lives. And she doesn't, um, she doesn't die very easily. <laughs> so, so, um, it's, it, it is called, you know, um, lives of the cats. I mean, she, she has many lives. The only question is how many lives does she have? And when is her luck going to run out? She does find out within the second series, the serial of it, um, that she is, part alien and that alien blood gave her these many lives mm-hmm. mm, but how many does she have when yeah that that's the big question is when does her luck run out so every time she gets shot you say oh is she gonna die now you know um but yeah it's jesus it sounds like joss sweden stole some of the storyline for agents of shield I would, I would absolutely think that he did because this has been around for a decade and his has not. <laughs> this is true. How about that? And here's something that uh, a lot of our listeners may not know. You uh, played an important, uh, you, were, you voiced an important character in Disney's Atlantis. Which we just watched Which the we other just night. Which we watched so. the other night. And we were going to come down the chimney. Ho, ho. Oh, <laughs> that's a Helga. I love Helga. The reason 
I loved hers because I I always dreamt as a child uh, to do a Disney film. And the fact that I was chosen to do that character was amazing for me. Um, I had one of the best experiences of my life working with the Disney producers and directors and all of the creative talent behind Atlantis. Um, it's, it's a very private, it's sort of like this individual kind of personal experience that you go through because you don't work with the other actors. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't engage with anybody except these people behind a, a glass wall. It's not. It's not like a, a radio show. No, no. It's it's, where, where it's three years of literally walking in. They say, "Hey, how you doing?" And then and then you are you in a room, and behind that wall are all the creative talent. And I'm not dissing that in in any way, shape, or form. It's it's very much like what we're doing now. There's a wall, you know, and, and you don't know who's on the other side of the wall. Um, but in this sense, um, I had to completely trust them, and I did. And I loved working for them. A lot of people say things about Disney that are negative, and I I, I have to say I had the best experience working for Disney. I loved working for Disney and it took what three years and I think that the film you know turned out beautifully and I'm very proud of my role as Helga <laughs> even though you know it's, a it's lot of people awesome. didn't see it at the end you know of the I, I, I saw the uh, I saw Helga on the bridge at the submarine and I was thinking oh yeah it's Susan of and a blonde wig and a foot yeah. taller <laughs> And that was I, that was so awesome hearing your voice come out. So uh, you said that it took three years to do yeah. that. There, it didn't sound like there's three years worth of dialogue. Well, she did talk thing. a lot. I mean, I, I don't mean that in a negative way, but she she was a pretty prominent. She got to talk more than her boss did, really. Yeah, Every time heard. I went back to Disney, Demi Moore had another child. So. <laughs> My word. Yeah, so so I knew that time was passing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I it was literally every six months. It's the same thing as when I do my games that I do video games. You know, you forget about the game, and then you come back six months later, and you realize, oh my god, I'm a, a pivotal character, or I am a mm-hmm. you know. Or they wouldn't uh, have had you back in six months. Well, you yeah, know, to do another, and, to and do another recording, they wouldn't. If you weren't a pivotal character, you'd have been there for an afternoon and gone. Uh, yeah, and 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 I think that the, the difference what most people don't understand in in a a huge film like a animated feature film from Disney, it takes years to go from conception to reality. And in the meantime, they're videotaping you, they are recording you, they have you in the booth, but it's not real time for us. I mean, that's a six, five to six year process. So us as actors and actresses, you know, we're, we're used to maybe at the most three months. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's pretty interesting time. when you do a, a, a big time feature, you realize, wow. They've devoted a big chunk of their life to this. Well, yeah, but you're not in. You're not in there for more than the three months or so, are you? I mean, it's it's got gaps. <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I I 
you know, go in and I do my voice and they videotape and they, then they, then the animators come in and they look at the videotape and they notice that I have a, uh, a certain hairline, you know, with a widow's peak mm-hmm. and maybe the eyebrow goes up at that point when I speak and they start to put that into the character. Yeah, they riff and, off that stuff. Yeah. Helga it's, looks with the performance. like a blonde version of me. There were a lot of resemblances, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, and she she moves like you, too. Absolutely, and and Michael J. Fox. I mean, that Milo is Michael J. Fox incarnate. (laughs) I mean, but that's what you have to look at. You have to say, wow, okay, they're staring at you 24 hours a day, and they make this character, and maybe they manipulate it slightly to, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to become maybe blonde or brunette or whatever. Well, you but, don't have to do the stunt work, which is a plus is a, right there. <laughs> so funny because I worked with uh, Cree Summer recently in Hawaii, and I said, gosh, Cree, we keep working together, but we never work together. <laughs> That's know? funny. It's like, it? yeah, I mean, I always run into her, and, and we are on the same projects, but I never actually have the ability to work with her. And she's such a lovely woman. I mean, she's fantastic. So it, I, I find animation and all of its um, qualities and efforts and all the people who are involved with it, just such an amazing uh, cre- creative endeavor. I mean, I, I just think that that art is, I hope it never dies. I hope that it doesn't become some sort of, push button thing on the computer where you can say, Oh, I'm going to go make it, you know, an I know it, well, it, it never Someone's will. got a program. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah. gotta be, there's it, a, there's a human element there. Yeah, there, there always, there always is a human element. It's uh don't you think that there still can be a human element? I mean, everyone talks about replacing actors with just voice casts or whatever, but no, you can't animation goes, don't you guys agree? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking from my own space. Uh-huh. It's okay. But, I, I really believe that animated films are part and parcel of the, the, the voice actors that perform them. They very much are. Um, the, uh, when, when all uh, you have is sight and sound on a exactly. television set, you're ha- the voice acting is half of the equation. The other half is the artist. Well, and, and the, uh, the acting uh, sort of – a lot of the acting sort of gets pushed onto the artist. Uh, the You can act and they can record your performance, but then the artist has to interpret that. And how that interpretation happens is part technology and part just plain art. And as long as that's the case – uh, the human element is never going to be completely removed. And as a matter of fact, if it ever was, we'd be looking at some very boring material. But but I have to I have to say, in defense of anything else, and and I mean, I would like people to know that I don't know what you know Ellen DeGeneres did when she was in Finding Nemo, but she was. Brilliant. I mean, bloody oh, she was. brilliant. Well, they must have been yeah, watching so her face smart. the whole time. Like they filmed, well, but, like they but, took video but, of you that she, she was just acting with her face because otherwise she's a fish. <laughs> what else do you have to work with? But the thing is, is that you have to understand you have this little party of people behind a glass wall and they are encouraging you to be better 
They keep telling you, you're funny, but be funnier. You're, you're fabulous, but be more fabulous. And this is what I'm saying is that it's a different experience from on camera work. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, is that, is that vocal work is so immediate and it's so wonderful because you, you're sitting there with just your headphones on and you've got a person behind you saying, no, I don't like that. Or yes, I do like that. Or yes, do more. Be sexier. Be this. Be funnier. Be... And suddenly you're free. You're free. You are an, a free performer. And that's the beautiful thing is that you don't have to worry about what you look like, what, what you're anything, because they've already drawn that. What the beautiful thing about animation and the directors and producers that, 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 kind of get these performances out of actors is that they do that by being positive and by by being supportive and that's so different because when you're on on camera on a TV series and they're you know bust for time or whatever they say well you're not doing that right or blah 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 you know it's all negativity i've found in animation in voiceover in my um, game career, playing all these characters, is that they always are joyful. They're in love with what you're doing. And they are so positive. It's a joy to work for them. And and then henceforth, you come forward with yet another way to do the character or whatever. And it's always positive. And well, I- and here's my theory as to why uh, it might be that way. It's because you are up close and personal with them and they get to watch you in yeah. very close quarters make magic before their eyes and this is something that uh that these yes producers, it's all dependent you know, on the voice it's it not is. about the face right it's not about yeah mm-hmm. and that's a very interesting conundrum is do you fall in love with that actor or actress because of their vocal performance and if you do i think that is really the essence of a good performance is saying, wow, I listened to her on tape or I listened to her book or whatever. I listened to her in Skyrim mm-hmm. and wow, that, that, that moved me. That's right. You did voices for Skyrim as well. Many, many voices for Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> now is this uh, the Skyrim online or the, uh, the, uh, the boxed? Page? I did both. You did, did both. I did the, the additional um, content and I also did the original game. Uh, I did about 25 voices. Oh, my goodness. That is a lot. Yes. (laughs) That is a lot. Hey, I love doing – the thing I love about voiceovers is I love that intimacy. Mm -hmm. And I love the immediate reaction from the director because they're not talking about where your hand is or what your face looks like. They just say, can you move your voice a little bit further down? Mm -hmm. And then you say – well, yeah, I can do that. I can, I can, I can bring my voice down as low as you want, you know, and it's exciting. It's fun. I mean, to, to work with an instrument, you know, it's much like working with a guitar. Or a, yes. Yes. A, very yeah, it, very much like that. Your voice is like your instrument. And, and for me, it's always been, I believe, you know, my voice differentiates me from a lot of people because it is, so, you know, I, I can do anything. I can do young, I can old, you know, I can do accents or whatever. 
So I love, I love doing games. I love doing voiceovers. I love doing Disney projects. I love all of that because it really brings into play what I think I'm good at. That is, th- there's one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, in addition to your acting and your filmmaking, is your writing. You have written at least one science fiction book that I'm aware of. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that and how that came to be? I'm incredibly excited about both of the books that are coming out this year. Um, I think, what are the titles, first of all? Uh, well, the original is going to come out this year. Okay. And, and that is a science fiction um, kind of a fun little novel that uh, I found myself falling in love with the protagonist of, of, of the story. Um, and I decided that it's very difficult to run a nonprofit and to not make any money, <laughs> quite frankly. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I've made now two books, one film, and a, a entire uh, community of, of trying to help people. Um, so what I decided to do is use my artistic endeavors and, and say, you know what, I'm going to write a book and make this something that I could devote and encourage people to buy to give to my nonprofit. That's that's that book, um, the original, which I love. Uh, my big, big, big book is, is um, Wolf's Empire, which is um, going to come out from Tor in 2015 and um it's 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 a quartet it's pretty um mind-boggling because it started out at a hundred thousand words and now it's two hundred and fifty thousand words you have you have have committed quadrilogy well um maybe a trilogy well well, it's a a quartet it's going to be four books but, (laughs) but uh uh, Wolf's Empire is a Rome that never fell, and it's Romans in space, and it's um, it's it's sci-fi military at its best. And the protagonist is a kick-ass female that has maybe some um, maybe some flavors of Ivanova and so forth. <laughs> but but you know, but I, I have to say this is uh, the most exciting project that I I've worked on thus far. Um, I believe that this is going to be huge and I believe in my heart because I, um, I, I just, I think that the, that anybody who reads this book at this point, um, will fall in love with the characters and will wonder what's going to happen next. This, and, that's very exciting. And yeah, to no, go, I'm so excited. And to go straight to tour books, you know, first book, tour, tour amazing. You know, just I, wham, I that's, that's you. really something. Well, yeah, the Ivanova thing probably got her foot in the door, but if it hadn't been a pretty good bunch of books, they wouldn't yeah, have bought it. Yeah, if it hadn't if it hadn't been a damn good story, they wouldn't no, have picked it up. No, they bought it when we only offered up about twenty thousand words. I mean, and, and and I do believe, and we, I mean, I met them in New York. Um, they knew a good story when that was put in front of them, and and this is something that. Morgan and I have been working on for four years. No, so. Morgan, I, I've met... I've, Morgan uh, Grant Buchanan, yes. Morgan Grant Buchanan. He was uh, helping you with the uh, uh, the One Little Pill film as well. 
No, he was no. not involved with one little pill at all. He was only well, involved he wasn't. in okay. the book. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I just I got a little confused no, no, no. because Morgan, I've seen Morgan, his name in conjunction with yours for the last year. Well, so Mor- Morgan's on, always you know, been involved with my writing endeavors, but uh-huh. my filmmaking is Adam Schulmer, and that's okay. that's yeah. his. Yeah, that was my producer director. Morgan had nothing to do with One Little Pill. Um, Morgan has a lot to do with Babylon Confidential and, of course, Wolf's Empire. So. You know, I have I have a lot of partners in a lot of places in a lot of countries in the world. Um, <laughs> I'm so I'm so grateful. I have uh, amazing men in my life. You have an amazing life and and uh, an amazing legacy and an ongoing one. And I'm very glad that you were able to join us uh, on episode 78 of Krypton Radio's Event Horizon. Uh, next time, I hope it won't be a whole year before you're back on the show. I hope not, too. Yeah, that would be amazing. How are you guys doing out there? Is it cold? Uh, it's not bad. Well, it's about cold is a relative cold-ish. matter. Yeah. That, what, cold, cold is relative. What does that mean? 60 degrees, which, you know. Oh, that's not cold. Well, you know, you not, know when we had a you know a 100 degree summer, yeah, it's just, <laughs> you know we have to put our socks on. We're not shoveling it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, we have a, yeah, we have. We a, do have a new dog. <laughs> new, yeah, we've got a new little dog. He's him. a. Oh, what? 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 what, what well, he's get? sort of like a a cross between a dachshund and a wire haired terrier. Oh my god, that's so funny because I was looking blonde. online for how to adopt a Westie. Yeah, he's sort of a sort of a strawberry blonde that looks Aww. like he's got a case of a permanent case of bedhead, except all Aww. over except <laughs> all over his body. Yeah, a scruffy little dog. Yeah, but he's and very he's, affectionate. He's extremely affectionate. He's a little love bug, and he's extremely oh, smart. I mean, he's not very big, but he's very very smart. Just, and, you know uh, what? He's I constantly don't... in trouble. <laughs> well, my my mom said to me, she said. Well, you will never find a man, so at least you could get a dog. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I was like, okay, so guess what? I just turned 49 this year. I guess I'm relegated to getting a dog. <laughs> so, I recommend some good Apparently, rescue. I'm not getting a man. So um, no, I looked at the Westie Rescue, and I was like, oh, my God. I found like 10 dogs that I fell totally in love with. And um, now I think I'm in the process of adopting a dog. Oh, that's unless awesome. unless either one of you find me a man that I. <laughs> yeah. Sad. I'm sure we know women and men who would love to line up at your door. You know the thing is about women is I did that in my twenties. I just I I, I can't go back there. But uh, <laughs> you're entitled. You're entitled to your preference. I mean, unless unless it's like a full time relationship, and then I probably would end up marrying a woman. But um, no. But as far as fun is, boy, definitely. I miss, I miss the days of yeah having some companionship. You know, when this uh, science fiction military fiction comes out, they'll be lining up. <laughs> In uniforms, you'll, you'll know love, you'll know you've made it when the cosplay starts. Oh, I, when they I, start I, cosplaying I, your book, you, well, <laughs> and, you know they and they will, and they will. I gotta, I gotta tell you that uh, I think that Wolf's Empire and Akala, which is the the protagonist, is actually going to be more famous and more 
readily known than than Ivanova. I no. I do believe in my heart that this is the character I was meant to mm-hmm. to uh, to write about because it makes young women. It's empowering. Strong. Well, it gives them. It gives them. I mean, I talk about cutting and and you know self abuse and everything and addiction and all that stuff is wrapped into this character. But but she still comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But 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 I mean, throughout the books, she definitely falls and falters. And I think that that's really important for somebody to see as a young person reading a book. That they don't constantly see, oh, I'm perfect, I'm this and that. Yeah, I think it's important to see somebody who does falter and who does fall from grace or from whatever. And, you know, and, and then you can identify with it because nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, the important, the important part of the message, though, I think is fall eight times, get up nine. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think everybody has that same message. It's just life is not perfect. Life is not easy, but it's about the times that you got back up. That's when you're strong. That's when you really show who you are. You can just, you know, say, I'm defeated. I'm going to lay down and I'm going to be depressed or whatever. Or you can stand up and say, okay, I'm going to try again. Yeah. I, you don't have to, you know, you can, you can sit and think about how depressed you are. You can say, okay, well, this is boring. What's next? (laughs) Now, Tor Books reminds me, you're, you are inevitably going to get this compared to another Tor Books uh, author series, David Weber, and the character is Honor Harrington. Oh my God, Honor, let me tell you something. I have been wanting to play that dame for about. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yes. Seriously, you would be perfect. Oh God! You would yes. be perfect and, for it. And oh, and I've met him, and I've met okay. them, and I've I've talked about it, and I've I've blogged about it, and I've I've done everything I can. But the bottom line is, now I'm too old. I mean, I'm 49. Um, I I would I would have loved to play Honor Harrington. I would have. I would have done her damn good. You would have, you well, would have I don't just, know. They're ta- they're talking yeah, about yeah. a multi-level, multimedia presentation, and if they don't go live action with it, if they go with uh, animation, you're not too old. No, my voice would be pretty uh-huh. damn good. For her. I've just always been super attracted to that character because I think she's amazing, and I and I love his books, and I love the character, and I've, I've always, I mean, we've been in touch for, um, seriously, like 12 years, sure. and every time he's like, are you interested in playing, the, and I'm like, yeah, okay, but God, I'm getting a little long in the tooth, you know? Yeah, if you're going to do this, do it now. <laughs> do it now, I mean, I, yeah. for God's sake, I mean, I still look good. I mean, I probably look maybe 10 years younger than I'm actually but still, at least, for God's sake, Honor Harrington is like a, a solid thirty years old. I'm mm-hmm. almost fifty. For God's sake, you know, I, I got really pissed off because I was like, "Couldn't you have done this in my twenties?" I mean, come on. But you, <laughs> but you know what? In your twenties, you wouldn't have been right for it, would you? No, you're right. Actually, you're, you're right. a different person then. You are. You are dead on. I I read so my Babylon Confidential. Off. It wouldn't have been the right time for it. I, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, I think that the older you get, the more you have to give and the more 
intellectual property you can share and the more mm-hmm. experience you can give to people. And that is wonderful. Um, but is it something that people want to see? Not necessarily. They want to see the pretty young, vibrant, whatever, you know. Well, and that just gives you an opportunity to move into more into the creative process at the, at the front end. Yeah. You know? I can see you producing your, your air. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, it really does come down to what do you want to share with the world? And right now I'm really happy about what I'm doing with the Sinclair method and C3 foundation. And I'm my documentary, one little pill. And I'm really, really happy with what I'm doing, but I, in some sense, I think, wow, I spent 30 years being an actress and, what did it lead to? You know, if you can't use it for some sort of uh, positive endeavor, mm-hmm. then then what is it worth? You know, uh, and and yes, I absolutely can use the fandom and and so forth for certain things. But it would be nice to know that you spent your life doing something that could lead to something positive. You know, which is why I think um, you know the human connection is so important. It's, it's it's certainly something that I think is very visible about what you do and the way you go about it. Uh, you have uh, made such an impact on people's lives, uh, both from the, the standpoint of of just being part of the part of our modern mythology to actually doing something to save lives. Yeah, well, like a, a brown-eyed, brown-haired girl doesn't have to take her clothes off to be in charge. <laughs> Yay! You know, you know, the, <laughs> that was my takeaway from Ivanova. The the most uh, the most impressive thing that happened to me in the last year was a little girl sent me an email and said, "I've never seen my mother sober, and now she is, and I want to thank you." And that email oh, to me, wow, meant. No, it was just, it, it was life-changing. It was, you wow. saved two okay. lives. This little girl now has a mom because of something that I put out there. And, and I'm not being egotistical or whatever. I'm not taking responsibility because it's, this is Dr. David Sinclair's work that I'm spouting out about. It has nothing to do with me. But the fact that... Maybe they found it through something I wrote or a blog that I started or a Facebook page or whatever, that somebody suddenly found a solution to their drink problem and now can be a parent. I mean, that to me is like, wow, Well, <laughs> so satisfying. The, I think the thing to keep in mind is that when you do good, the good that you do radiates outwards in all directions beyond your sight and touches people you will never meet. I know. And that's, that, that's, the, that's the spectacular thing is that all of a sudden I'll get an email from somebody in India or Africa or Wales or whatever. And they'll say, wow, I just found your book or found the film or whatever. And guess what? Every day. We are reaching people who need the help. And this is why I'm here. I'm not here because I did Dallas and, you know, <laughs> with Falcon Crest or whatever TV series in the 80s or 90s or whatever. I'm not here because I did Babylon 5. I'm here because 
I want to help people live and I want to give them an option to get better. And this is my purpose in life. And at the end of the day, this is what I feel the best about is just being here for people who need me. And okay. with that, and thank you for doing so. Yes, thank you so much for doing it. And with that, I think we have uh, I think we have everything we need for this evening. Thank you once again for joining us on Krypton Radio's Event Horizon. It has been such a pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have just heard episode 79 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for November 22nd, 2014. Our guest has been the inimitable Miss Claudia Christian. Your hosts have been Krypton Radio station manager Gene Turnbow and our executive producer Susan Fox. This episode will air again on November 23rd, 2014 at 4 p.m. Pacific and at various times throughout the coming week. See the Krypton Radio website at kryptonradio.com for showtimes in your area. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others as downloads at the Krypton Radio website and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. Our production manager is Cat Carter. And the engineering was done by Gene Turnbow. This program and its contents, except where provided by others, are copyrighted 2014 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.